You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. We begin tonight a new series on Albag versus Rabbeinu Yonam. Now, these are uh, Rishonim that, unlike the Ramban and the Rambam, the Ramban quotes the Rambam dozens and dozens of times, maybe even hundreds of times, and was clearly influenced by him and was reacting uh, to him. Levi Mengelsham, Gersonides, um, was not a, a reacting to Rabbeinu Yonah per se, but was developing in a way in contrast to uh, Rabbeinu Yonah's moralistic, sort of anti-philosophical take towards Judaism. Rabbi Yona um, and his Rebbe, <coughs> Roshul Menahar, uh, mounted uh, in the uh, 13th century a, a, a vicious attack on philosophical works that pu- were pushing the envelope of what was considered standard Jewish ideology. And unfortunately, was also that ideology was leading to a a lack of reverence, and in many ways, a um, diminution in practice. Um, now, it's true that we all know Rabbi Yonah felt that he regretted uh, his exuberance up to a point, and felt that perhaps the Rambam uh, Maimonides should not have been. A, uh, a such a blatant target uh, for him. Um, his cousin, his first cousin, was the Ramban, and Ramban really um, uh, felt that the uh, that the Chachme Provence, uh, including Rabbeinu Yonah's Rebbe, Rabbi Shlomo Menahar, who was from Provence, had gone too far in their attacks on the Rambam. And there is um, at least stories to say Rabbeinu Yonah felt he also uh, had um, gone too far in his attacks. And um, there is, of course, a, uh, a legend that the Sefer Shari Chuva was written uh, as a uh, sort of a mea culpa for himself uh, for his uh, attacks on the Rambam. I don't believe that is true. Um, I don't think the evidence supports it. But I do, I, I will say that he um, um, uses um, the, the, the methods that Rabbeinu Yonah uses in his philosophy of Torah, of in Sefer Mishle, um, in the work on Chumash that is attributed to him, which for our sake, we're going to be using it with a little bit of a question mark as to whether it's truly Rabbeinu Yonah or not. And of course, the masterpiece, the Shari Tshuva, and some of the other lesser known ethical works, the Sefer Hayira, Rabbeinu Yonah does not go to the philosophical well at all. Most of his ideas are constructed totally out of um, the, the psukim in the Torah, a, a, a total mastery over all of Tanakh. Um, Rabag, of course, uh, was, uh, did have mastery over all of Tanakh, but was ex- extremely aware of what was going on in terms of the wisdoms of the world, in terms of the advancements of science. He was one of the leaders, in fact. Many people will say that, you know, in the areas that he excelled in, he was actually even more important than Maimonides in terms of the advancement of science, in terms of um, the astronomical um, uh, item that he developed, um, Jacob's Ladder, as was called, the... uh, uh, these were all uh, uh, inventions of, of Raubag. His, his mathematical uh, genius was, was unsurpassed, uh, his mastery of many languages. So Raubag, in many ways, is, 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 is almost, he's, he's quite the opposite number of Rabbeinu Yonah. And I don't know if he's, his, his, his parshonis of Torah is a reaction to a Rabbeinu Yonah attitude, but I do think that they do represent two very powerful uh, thinkers, and I'm excited that we're going to be able to 
use the next couple of months as a way to explore them both, Rabag and Rabbeinu Yona uh, of Gerona. And we'll do more biography about them to come. But as I say, they were not combatants in the way the, the Ramban was to the Ramba. Um, if, if I discover a place where Ralbag seems to uh, be knocking Rabbeinu I would be very, very uh, excited to be able to find that. However, I, as I say, I do believe his methods are completely counter to the way Rabbeinu Yona would deal with something. Where they are together, I think, is also going to be a pleasant surprise as well. Um, the topic for tonight is Rabbeinu Yona's um, elevation of mitzvos, especially mitzvos asay. Um, and Rabbeinu Yona's statements about the primacy of the mitzvahs asay um, are in some ways startling. And they dovetail with a, uh, a sugya in Mesechtas Bavakama, which we're going to learn, uh, which has a parallel in the Yerushalmi Mesechtas Peya. Um, and Shari Chuva has one section in it which is been a um, an area that Achronim have loved to dig into, and that is the third char. In the third char, he basically gives us a panorama of all the mitzvos, mitzvos asay and mitzvos los asay. Actually, starting with mitzvos the rabbonah, is apologizes or at least explains why he's doing this. And he says that the one reason behind it is because you can't really do tshuva properly unless you really know what you violated. If you don't really know what the mitzvahs mean and (laughs) your tshuva is sort of empty. So it's important to sort of take a course in what are the mitzvahs and, and, and how important they are and, and how much you miss by not doing them. And he says that, of course, will, will change you. That'll, that'll, that'll give you a, a spur to do tshuva. It will, it'll give you the embarrassment that you need, the sense of, 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 of shame in front of God, of, of, of what you've done wrong by understanding how, what, what, you've, what you've lost and, and how you have not served him. He also says that he believes by people reading this book, they'll, re- they'll realize that there are many things they do that they consider, yeah, I know I don't keep all the mitzvahs, but that's not an important one. There's not so, those things aren't so crucial. And he's going to try to indicate that even things that we don't think are so bad really are, are extremely important, and by ignoring them, that things that we think are only small mitzvos, mitzvos akalos, people think that these mitzvos, as you can see on the board here, there's just they, they don't mean much, but there are ways that those mitzvos lead lekilyon chorutz va'abdon anefesh. There's ways that those mitzvos are somehow connected to the total destruction of the soul. And people will be scared when they read this. When people read this and understand the way I've described it, then people are going to stop in their ways of of, of evil, that would be. And they're going to realize that I can do it and I'm going to master what it takes to be able to resist my Yetzirah. Rabbeinu Yona then gives a moshul, which is typical. These moshulim of Rabbeinu Yona are, 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 are very, always wonderful. He says, imagine, el-ir. a person wants to go to a city. You tell the guy, no, that's a very bad road. That road has got holes in it. That road has got depressions in it. There's places over there where you could go off the road. But he's still going to go, right? Yeah, I can make it. I can drive on a bad road. I don't care. Yeah, all it is is a crummy little blacktop. I can do that. Now, you don't really want him to go on that road. 
But if you tell him that there's a lion, and there's panthers and other things that'll, that, that, that will rip him apart, that'll stop him. So in other words, just telling people that Averis are bad and just telling them, oh, you can see you're, you're, you're going to stumble. Everybody thinks that they are immune. But if you tell people what, if you, you sort of like bring the boogeyman out, you really uh, elevate the, the stakes, you talk about lions, you talk about panthers, that is going to get people to stop. And then he says, that's really what Shlomo Melech means when he says, meaning, what does that mean? That's what chokhma is. Not astronomy, not math. Chokhma means how to act in a way that you do everything proper and you stay away from sin. That's called chokhma. In fact, the Torah says, the Torah is our chokhma. Not like the Rishonim who learn, even from Chazal, that say our Chochm is the way we figure out uh, the, 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 the astronomical uh, calculations. Torah itself is Chochmah, the, the Rabbeinu Yonah says. Well, what, what, Rabbi Kivalevich, excuse me, but uh, what, what would he do with something like the expressions in the Gemara, like Chochmei Ha'umim, you know, that, what, what would he do with that? I mean, that's, that's not a I mean, I, that's right there. I mean, you know, what, what, what right. So, in other words, he admits, Bob. He he doesn't. He isn't such a uh, insular person that he thinks that 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 there's no such thing as science and math and everything that the that the, that the, the non-Jewish world and the world in general is, is worked on. But our chachma is to figure out how to act in a way that the, we don't find ourselves falling into Averos, that basically a moral method for not finding our way to be schlepped into doing Averos, that's the Chochmah. Living a Torah life is, is itself takes a certain amount of wily wisdom to be able to achieve that. And how do you do that? So he says, Ladas Chochmah Musr, the Achar Sheyumad HaMitzvos, you know what a mitzvah is and what an avera is. So, you've got to know what they are and then know how negative they can be and what punishments you can get from them in order for you to be completely removed for them. And you remember that, you talk to yourself and you say, oh, I don't want to get punished. Oh, I don't want this to happen to me. So that is called Musr. Chochmah is, they, Musr is, according to Rabbi Yonah, to think about the seriousness of what not doing mitzvos entails. And that is called, and, and in a way, you talk to yourself. You learn about it. You keep on reminding yourself of what it is, of what the punishments would have been in the time of Chazal, and how those punishments are in a certain way still on top of you. He says that's called Musr. And that's Chochmah and Musr. Chochmah, again, is basically being able to do and live according to God's will and staying away from Averos. That's Chochmah. That's our Chachma, Bob. And our Musr is using our knowledge of what these mitzvahs, how, how bad it is not to do these mitzvahs, and how, how terrible it is to do these Averos, and what will happen to us, that's called Musr. Now, again, it's not philosophy, but it basically comes from learning and emo- using intellectual, emotional cues to keep you on the right path. Now, Rabbein, I'm going to skip where Rabbeinu speaks about Divrei Sofer. It's a very beautiful piece. It will have relevance to us in the future. I want to start with level two. Level two is mitzvah saseh. So the first thing Rabbeinu says is, is that 
that um, schar, olam haba, the idea that we live according to God's will and we gain eternal life is essentially with mitzvah saseh. He proves it again from a Pusik and Mishlei. We're going to find Rabbeinu Yonah, is, it's, his, it's his go-to book. He always, in fact, there is a parish on Mishlei which shares similarities to passages in Shari Tshuva, and he quotes from Mishlei 13, Virei mitzvah hu yishulam. In other words, who gets paid? Someone who is basically careful on his mitzvahs. Mitzvahs, in other words, positive commandments, that is the key to schar in Olam Haba. In fact, he says, that if you look in the Pasuk in Malachi, the Pasuk says that God saw between a tzaddik and a rasha, and between an oved Elohim and someone who didn't serve him. What does that mean, someone who didn't serve him? Right? He already says tzaddik and rasha. So he says, avoda means someone who does mitzvah saseh. Avoda Hashem is not davening specifically. It's a life of doing. Now, that's what's called avoda. Now, it's true. Sometimes a low, an, an aseh can have a low saseh with it. For example, tzedakah is a mitzvah saseh that has a low saseh with it. Lo ta'ametz es levavcha is a lo tase connected to the assay of giving stucco. And he says, I, and again, I don't know if we ever got this book called Shari Avoda. I don't know if he ever, if he wrote it. I don't know if it ever came down to us, but he wrote a book about Avoda. I'm not sure if, I don't think the book is extant, but he says, I'm going to explain Avoda in great detail in my safer called Shari Avoda. However, um, the basic scar comes from doing. Actions, changing the world with your actions leads to scar. Now, how do you get scar for not doing Averos? He says you could get scar for doing Averos as well. By, but how does it happen? It happens if you could do the Avera and you have a desire to do it. Maybe it's for a sexual act and you overcome your Yetzirah. Because what is that? That is basically doing the mitzvah of Yiras Hashem. So the mitzvah of Yiras Hashem stops you from doing an Avera. That is, that's how an Avera leads to Schar. Also, if somebody could easily cheat, if someone could easily steal, and nobody would know about it, and he decides not to. Once again, he gets the Schar as if he was Zoreo Litzdoka. So again, um, and, and he brings a Pusik to prove this. Aplo polu avlo bidrochov halochu. Quoting the Yerushalmi, Kivan since you didn't do an avla when you could have, so God considers it, he gives you the schus of, a, of an action. Now, and, 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 and therefore, when Chazal say a guy who just sits, a guy who sleeps all day doesn't get the schar of a mitzvah. It has to be if you could, that you had the Yetzir Hara and you could have, had, you could have done it. Which basically means, the Rabbeinu Yon is telling us, that despite anything else about Lotaseh being punished more, mitzvahs aseh are the key to schar. And when we say you get a schar for Lotaseh, it's only because it's only because you, you, you sort of did something within yourself, which is, as he said, you were kovesh your yetzahara with yirasavokim, which is a mitzvah aseh. So really, an as, the aseh is where avoda is, and it's where schar is. Now, we, all, we know from the Mishnah and Avos, Rabbi Yonah says, that we don't know the difference between the various mitzvah aseh. Um, whereas, when it comes to the low sasehs, God tells us clearly how different they are. And we know which ones get makas, which ones get misa, which ones get different type of misa. And yet, if, if the great avodas Hashem is mitzvah saseh, why is it that we don't know what mitzvah saseh are supposed to bring us? So Rabbi Yonah says, 
based on what the Mishnah and Avos says, <laughs> because if we knew, then of course we would only concentrate on certain mitzvos, the ones that we that give more schar. What is really going on, Rabbi Yonah says? Once again, he brings a motion. He says a king wants his servants to plant a, uh, a, a beautiful garden that have every sort of wondrous tree, beautiful tree in there. And he tells them, I'm hiring you to make me this garden. But he didn't tell them what each tree, the scar for any specific tree. Why? Because he wants everything. So what happened was they planted every single type of tree. If they knew that they were going to get more for a certain type of tree, then they would, the, the garden would be very uh, monochromic. It would only be one type. That's the way mitzvahs are. God wants us, in a way, Rabbi Kivalevich? Yes. Uh, was uh, Rabbeinu Yon, I think, came after the Hasidic Ashkenaz. Did he come after he was their contemporary? He was a contemporary with Hasidic because, because it's in a way similar to what they were saying, Sefra Hasidim, that it's a job of a Jew to figure out Hashem's will. I, I see very similar from the other end, but not not uh, not dissimilar. Um, you know what? Gershon Shalom has done some work on a Kabbalistic work of of Rabbeinu Yonah, which I can dig up. <laughs> and there are parallels to some of the principles of Chassidei Ashkenaz uh, there. So you're you're right in in what you're saying. Um, I, I think he's trying very hard not to 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 go into any sort of mystical worldview at all, um, but it does sound somewhat authentic when he says what God wants is this complete garden, and somehow even though and it's, it's, there's a paradox here, of course, because on one hand there are mitzvahs which give you more schar. But that's but there's a bigger idea of service then. Somehow God wants the complete beautiful garden. And and therefore, on a whole, the schar, although on in a quantitative way, it's less because you did more because you because you did all these mitzvahs. There were certain mitzvahs that could have given you more schar. What God wants is sort of a kaleidoscope of, of mitzvahs, which give the world, which make the universe more sholem. And therefore, he doesn't tell us what the mitzvahs are about. Um, and, and, and he proves it by, by the statements Chazal himself make by learning Torah. We know Chazal say the mitzvah of Limit Torah is the great mitzvah. <laughs> if a person, right, it's, it's considered connected kulam. And yet, Chazal say that if a person only learns Torah and doesn't do mitzvahs, it's like he's not really with God, even though, you know, he, he, he saw Chazal that say Torah is connected kulam, and he sits and learns and doesn't do anything else. Chazal's attitude is, but you're, you're missing the point here. There's, there's a certain type of, 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 of nachas ruach that God gets from you stopping to learn and doing these other mitzvahs, even though Talmud Torah is connected kulam. And we know that the, then he says another thing which does sound somewhat Kabbalistic, where he says that you can take a mitzvah which seems to be very easy to do. And yet, in, in Chazal's eyes, the, the, when we talk about what the schar is, it can't be quantified. It's so great. And of course, quoting Shilu Hakain which we know you get Arichas Yavim for. Um, and, and, and as the Gemara in Chulun says, that it's not just Arichas Yavim, but it's also Olam Haba, Liyom Shekul Orach, a huge, great, long Olam Haba for something which is very simple. It's a type of thing which, if you would pay somebody to climb up a tree to grab the birds for you, you maybe would pay him an Isser. 
That's all you have to do. That's what this mitzvah is. So obviously, mitzvahs are, are extremely powerful things, what they're able to accomplish. Now, so that's how great mitzvahs are. But now let's talk about, Rabbi Yonah says, you're not doing mitzvahs. Remember, this is a, a tshuva saver. He wants people to know what, what it is when they don't do a mitzvah. So the first thing he quotes, the, an incredible chazal, which we're going to see has a lot of relevance to the halachic portion of what we're going to study about. If you tell a person who uh, Bezdin, and it might even be there's a machlokas whether it's Bezdin or even a, a, a layman has a right to say this. A person is not um, doing a mitzvah. He refuses. They say, you don't want to make that sukkah? You don't want to buy that lulav? You have the money? You have the wood? We beat the person. We beat him. Now again, there's a discussion in the Rishonim and the Achronim. You kill him? Do you actually kill the guy? You're, you're beating him. The guy is really, the guy ends up, I don't know if the guy has to, he ain't going to be sitting in the sukkah this, 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 this year anyway. You beat the guy up and, and, and the guy probably is too weak to drag himself out of bed. And yet you do that because he refused to do a mitzvah. Is that really to that extreme? Because isn't there a concept that uh, a, a Jew's inner desire is to do Hashem's will? And by beating him, you're really just breaking down the Yitzhahara that enables the inner panemias to come out. Okay, so so what you're talking about is, is what the Tanya explains is why we beat a person up to bring a carbon or to give a get. Now, over mm-hmm. there, it's not achetetze nafsha. It's makin achiyoma rotsani. Richard is Richard is 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 is, is reminded. Rabbeinu is quoting the Gemara in Chulin, uh, the Gemara in Gitin, and the Gemara in Kedushin that talks about uh, makin uh, uh, that kofin also achiyoma rotsani ends with the person saying, "Okay, I'm writing the get. Okay, um, I'm bringing the carbon. I, I said I was going to bring." So the question is, Richard, but it's not Bertsono. It says, So Richard is answering Tanya based on the Rambam that really it is Lerotzon because really the person wants to do it. It's just his Yetzirah that's stopping him, which is not the true him. That's one of the most mystical statements in the Mishnah Torah which was, of course, emphasized by the Balatanya in the very beginning of the Sefer Tanya and is very well known. But there, Richard, we're talking about the man is on his feet. He just had to be beaten up a little bit till he said yes. But here, the Gemara says, That means you keep on hitting him and you keep on beating him up. That's a much, that is a lot more extreme. Okay. He brings another Gemara. The Gemara says in Rosh Hashanah, The Gemara Rosh Hashanah speaks about types of, of Rishayim that, that basically stay in Gehenna almost forever. And when he gives an example of those people, they say these are people who don't just do averos, but people who actually are are poshea begufon, meaning that it's almost like you know, you know. The one thing, of course, is people who are involved in arayos. They use their body like a Harvey Weinstein or like a Epstein or whatever, right? Only to sort of like pleasure their body and do averos with it. Oh, so whatever good deeds they do. With, with their goof, they are just, uh, you know, sybaristic, uh, hedonistic, like, like, like ogres. Okay, that's one example. But another example, the Gemara says, is someone who doesn't put spillin on that body. So it's not just you use the body for an Avera. It's that the body was not a, a it, it wasn't a vehicle for the mitzvah of tzvillin. Right? That's someone who's considered posh Yisrael begufa. 
right? Or Ovde Avodazo, or as he said, Arayos. So those people who don't wear tefillin, who never wear tefillin, Yarden Legehenim, the Nidon Shem Shnei Masrachodesh, they get their 12 months in Gehenim, and then what happens? They don't go to Olam Haba after that. La'achar Shnei Masrachodesh, Gufon Kolo, V'nishmosan Nisrepes, V'ruach Mepazartan, Tachas Kapos Raglayat Zadikim. So what happens after that is their Neshama somehow gets burnt and like eliminated. And somehow the Ruach spreads it under the feet of Tzadikim. So it's almost like they don't exist anymore. Again, here there is some discussion on that Gemara, whether are they truly eliminated from existence? That seems to be the way Rabbeinu Yonah is taking it. Um, the Gemara says also that someone who is makel on a mitzvah saseh, for example, keeping chalamoed, Rabbeinu Yonah says, is a mitzvah saseh. Now the Rabbanan tell you how to keep it. But the basic idea that this isn't just a day off to go to the park and hang out or do work in your backyard, that's a mitzvah from the Torah. It says, because it says, as matzos tishmar. That's every single day of Pesach and every single day of Sukkot, including Chava Moed, needs to be different. So what does the Gemara say? Because you did not treat, even though, again, here's a, this is doing Malacha on Chava Moed is a, is a violation of the mitzvah saseh of Chaga Matzos Tishmar. It's not a, a violation of Isasa Melocha, which is doing Melocha on Yontif that's not connected to Ochel Nefesh. That would be a lav. Being Mavaza Chalamoed, according to Rabbeinu Yonah, is doing Melocha, but that's a bit of Asay. So that's an Asay that the way you're Mavato it is by, by, by act, with an action. With, with a, with a kumbase. So, what did you do? So, I worked on Chalamoyed. So, I ran out and I ran to the, I didn't, I didn't spend my time learning. I basically uh, spent time working in the garden. I took time off because that was the only time I could get off from work. Is that rabbinic, Rabbi Kivalevich, or, or Doraita? Rabbeinu Yona holds its Doraisa. The Tamachlokas in the beginning of Chagiga. Tosfus and the Rambam argue. Rabbeinu Yona is of the opinion that it's like Tosfus, that it's that it's or like the Rambam. I forgot which one is that it's from the Torah, but it's it's the mitzvah say of Tishmor. So what did the guy do so wrong? He loses Olam Haba for a mitzvah say. He didn't do a mitzvah say, meaning he was become. Obviously, there's a little thing here. How didn't he do this mitzvah say by actively using this day like a regular weekday? You lose your Olam Haba. Rabbi Kivilev, just one a quick question. Does he consider a mitzvot bein adam lechaveiro the same as, uh, as uh, critical as... Uh, Yes, he talks about them as well. Um, he talks about the mitzvahs, I'll say, uh, coming up. I'll show you some of those a little bit later, uh, perhaps. And he talks about Anche Stone here. But here's where I want to I want to uh, I want to get us into the Gemara and Baba Kama. Um, Rabbeinu Yonah just said something that was quite fascinating. Let's look at it again. Rabbeinu Yonah says that Every single mitzvah assay has a lot assay connected to it. If you decide not to do a mitzvah assay, there's a love that you violate. This is a very overreaching love. What is that? What it says in Parshas Re'eh, the Torah says, Lotosif, don't add to the Torah, the lo sigra mimenu. Now, in in Talmudic language, this is called Baltosif, right? Baltosif, Baltigra. Baltigra means, it would seem, without Rabbeinu Yonah, Baltigra would mean what you're doing is you have a pair of tefillin, 
And in your tefillin, you have three compartments, not four, right? In other words, the mitzvah has a certain number to it, and you did less. Baltosif would be adding a fifth parsha. That's the normal way to understand Baltosif. The question is about you know adding a different min to the lulav. The Gemara says, well, if they if the idea of the lulav is to have the egg at all together, and you put a sabra fruit in there, it's possible it might be baltosif. Maybe, maybe not. Rabbeinu Yonah is saying here's something else, though. He is saying that it is a if you don't do a mitzvah say you in a way are doing a low say of of not fulfilling all the mitzvahs of the Torah. The Torah says the Torah is a complete package. So every assay, if you let's say you're a person who doesn't do it in, in a consistent fashion, we say you're a Baltigra. <laughs> in other words, what, what, what the Torah doesn't mean all Taryak mitzvahs to you? What, what, look at the way you're living. Well, well I'm just I'm just lazy, but you're never doing it. You, you don't do tefillin? What would Rabbi Yonah do with uh, the principle that usually um, a um, uh, mitzvah assay uh, sets aside, um, or, or there are many cases where it sets aside a mitzvah lota assay, but it's only where there is an explicit uh, other mitzvah assay um, connected to the low say that it doesn't do that. But wait, one second. So it one seems second. like he what he's doing is he's glossing over an halachic decision, a, a principle that that all of the poskim seem to go by. One second, Bob. Normally we say essay is do halota say. Right? Yes. So that's on his side, right? Yes, say, it is. Right, but right. no, but. But they make a distinction over those that have an explicit. Um, uh, okay, very good. So here's, let me say your question better. Okay. The Gemara says that where do we say essays, where it's one assay just versus a little los assay by itself. But if the los assay has an assay along with it, then, for example, let's say when it comes to Yontif, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say, let's say you, have the, you have the essay of Kisri Adam, mm-hmm. right? Versus the low sase of doing malacha on, on yantif. So you're mm-hmm. supposed to be machase the blood of the chicken or of the of the wild animal of the chaya. But in order to do that, you need to dig into the earth and to create the earth that you need. So that's your that's your low tase. Well, if I can do the ase, which is kisi adam. That'll be docha, the low say of digging, of making this uh, furrow in the earth. But the Gemara says, wait, on Yontif, there's also an assay of what? Of Mikra Kodesh or of Shabbaton. So that Yontif has an assay and a low say with it. So the assay of Kisi Adam can't be docha, a, a mitzvah that has an assay and a low say with it. So that, that is what the Gemara in Beitza and other places say. Yes, Bob. So your question now is, if I'm understanding it, if Rabbeinu Yon is right, every assay is an assay with a los assay, right? Every assay, but, right? So you're saying, well, how could the post Every assay's got a los assay with it too. So what are you telling me that Yontif is an assay and a los assay? Kisi Adam is also an assay and a los assay. That is your question, correct? Basically, okay. So I have an answer to your question. And here's the answer. <laughs> yeah, it, right. In other words, not doing, in other words, not doing Kisi Adam is Baltigra. <laughs> so what do you tell me that Kisi Adam is a weak mitzvah say? Mm-hmm. Kisi Adam is a, every, right? Because not doing Kisi Adam, I would be over Baltigra too. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I should be able to be Makayim. I should every an assay should be docha every lot assay, even a lot assay that has an assay with it, because every assay has got a lot assay on its back. That's your exactly. question. Exactly. Exactly. 
Good question, Bob. Very good question. Now, this opinion of Rabbeinu Yonah is, is, um, is echoed by, I don't think he ever studied. I'm, I'm wondering if he did. Yes, he did. The Rashba who studied by Rabbeinu Yonah. Um, the Rashba studied by both. He studied by Rabbeinu Yonah and he studied by the Ramban. So let me show you this Rashba in Rosh Hashanah. Okay. This Rashba came to my attention courtesy of the father of, we spoke about him a couple of months ago, Chaim Kanievsky, as uh, uh, sign. his father, uh, the, the Kiyos Rabbi Yaakov Yisrael Kanievsky, the stipler. This is, he, he, he uh, spends a number of uh, pages um, really working over this Rashba. Here is the Rashba that, in, in, in case. The Gemara in Rosh Hashanah says that they blew shofar, they, there was a Takanas Chazal to blow shofar not like the mitzvah. The mitzvah, of course, is to blow it with the psukim, while you're davening, we made a takana to blow shofar before, without the psukim. That's called tikios de miyushav. The Rashba quotes a tosvos. I don't know if that tosvos, we have it or not, but I want to read you the way he quotes it. You, you're, you're blowing shofar like in a new way? That's Baltosif. So the Rashba gives an, his own answer. Mistabra, the low koshaklal. What is Baltosif? Only Bamashu Mosif Midas Atzmo. That's when you decide, you know, I like to do Judaism my own way. For example, a Kohen decides instead of saying Yivrech Hashem Yishmerecho, he's going to say Yivrech Hashem Yishmerecho V'yachtzlinecho V'yanchilecho He wants to add V'yanchilecho that you're going to get Eretz Yisrael. Or you decide I need another day of Sukkot. And you decide that you're not, you're asleep, you're, you're <laughs> I'm taking one more day and it's for me Sukkot plus. If the Chachomim say to do something, there's no Baltosif. The Kvar Nemar, you have to follow the Chachomim. Even though, right? Now, the Huadin, the Baltigra, Lutzorich, Kigon, Yontif, Rosh Hashanah, what about the fact that you didn't blow shofar on Rosh Hashanah? I'm not blowing shofar today. Oh, it's Baltigra. You hear this? It's Baltigra. In other words, Baltigra doesn't mean three minim. It means you did not blow shofar this Shabbos when you should have. Because the Torah says you blow shofar on, on Rosh Hashanah. We're not blowing shofar. We're over Baltigra. Apagav the Umber Toritiku. So the reason is Gozru Shalolitkoa. They made Xera not to blow, so we have to follow them. What's the Rashba, as you can see, holds had it not been for the fact that this was a Takanas Chachamim, that basically there is a Baltigra here. That there's Baltigra, even though. You're talking about the bittel of the mitzvah. Why isn't it a bittel mitzvah? Because the Torah says, follow whatever the Chachamim decide. If the Chachamim decide it's very important for the Jewish people not to have to be a chauffeur, that's not you as an individual. But you see, if it would be you as an individual deciding you don't want to blow chauffeur today, you would be over Baltigra. So you see, Bob, this opinion of Rabbeinu Yonah is basically the same opinion of his student, the Rashbah that they are of this same opinion. So this really brings out a very strange thing. Now, the Rashba is on the record in Babakama for the following. The Gemara in Babakama 
in the middle of the sugya of shove kesef kekesef, what do you pay when you damage someone? Do you have to pay the best land? Do you have to pay money? Can you pay, um, you know, can, can you pay, you know, uh, you have a, you have a, a, a garage full uh, of old, uh, you know, uh, old records that maybe you could, you know, the, the disco records, can you pay with that? So the answer is yes. And that, and if that's all you have, you can pay that. The Gemara quotes the great Rav Huna, and according to some texts, it was Rav Zera quoting Rav Huna that you're allowed to pay even with Subin, if that's all you have. You have the most worthless things in the world, but you can somehow get money for them. There's some guy who can, that's considered money enough that you can pay off your, your damaging debt from that. That is Rav Zera quoting Rav Huna according to the Xaviad of Parma and the Parma Talmud edition, it says that. Then the Gemara says, after it finishes that sugya, the Gemara quotes another Rav Zera quoting Rav Huna. Um Rav Zera um Rav Huna ad-shlish. When it comes to a mitzvah, a third is demanded. Hmm. My ad-shlish. Does this mean that you have to pay a third of a, a third of everything you own? That, in other words, when a mitzvah comes up, you need to dedicate a third of your holdings. If that's true, then three mitzvos lace of lekulebesa then you would basically, what would happen? You would be completely impoverished. You would have no liquid assets anymore. Could that be? So the Gemara says, What happened to Rav Huna? I'm not sure. But Rav Zera said, wait, wait, wait. This is what I learned from Rav Huna, but this is probably what Rav Huna meant. Rav Huna meant in the mitzvah itself. We're not talking about spending money on mitzvahs and, and becoming impoverished. We're talking about paying more than you need to to get a mitzvah done beautifully. Ad shlish mitzvah, And that means you have to pay a third if you are able to, whether it's a chiv or a mitzvah, to pay more for a better esrog or a better safer Torah. And how much more you have to pay is a third of the price. And how you figure that out is you, you, if, the, if, if it was six dollars, you have to pay an extra two, which was a third of six. That's what the Gemara says. Then the Gemara says, in Eretz Yisrael, and Reb Zeyra, of course, studied in Bavel first. Then he went to Eretz Yisrael. Reb Zeyra appears in an elevated fashion and said, Hajlish Mishalo. Meaning, even though we can't force you, the way Rashi says, somehow God will somehow make it available for you. You could even go beyond that in your mitzvah. You could, be, you could make it even more mahudr and spend even more. Where's the money going to come from? God will pay you back. Now, on that Gemara, the Rashba, is very important. The Rashba quotes the Rebbe of the of, of, of the Ramban's Rebbe, the Raivad. The Raivad says, Kasha, the What's going on over here? The Gemara says that you don't have to spend all your money for mitzvahs. Wait, what do mitzvahs have to do with money? A mitzvah must be done. Where do we ever see that mitzvahs are dependent on how much money you have? Where do we ever find that we say, oh, I only have to pay this much? Me, some, forget, forget about the Hidur mitzvah. When the Gemara says, 
you don't have to spend a third of your of, of, of your of your of your liquid income on a mitzvah. The Raibad says, wait. Do you think mitzvahs have to do with money? You gotta do the mitzvah. Who 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 put a who put a price tag on them? Look what the Raibad said. Hello, mitzvah achas chashiv kol memono. One mitzvah is worth all the money you have in the world. Like we saw Rabbi Yona saying, right? The Raibad, one mitzvah is worth everything. So what could the Gemara mean when the Gemara says you don't need to, to spend all your money on? No. God wants you to live in this world. Okay. So the Raibad becomes a realist. He says, Ad in other words, the problem is if you're going to spend this money, what's going to happen is you're going to ha- become a different person. You're going to have to be someone that people are going to have to take care of. They're going to have to give you tzedakah for you to live. And therefore, what, what we're saying is the same way there was a takana not to spend more than 20% on tzedakah, you don't need to spend more on mitzvahs that's going to impoverish you. The Rashba quotes this Ravid. He uh, he adds to it other statements that Chazal tell us that have a very weak Shabbos. In other words, you know, don't make a big full Shabbos. This way, you don't have to come and stick your hand out to ask for for people to help you out. And he mentions again, being poor is like death. It's not death itself. The Rashba says. But it is bad enough that we potter you from doing a mitzvah. Despite how incredible mitzvahs are, you don't have to be close to death for it. You don't have to be in a state where your life has been altered. And from this point on, you're only depending on people taking care of you. God could not want that from a person. It's true. Mitzvah shouldn't cost a thing. Unfortunately, we live in a world where they do cost. And since they do cost, and you're not going to be able to change that, you're an ones. And your potter. An ones is potter. But Omar Arav, Shalo Omru Ela Bemitzvah Asay, Beshebi Altase. Alba Mitzvah Los Asay, Afilu Kol Mamona. So now the Rashba is telling us that even the Rivad and the Gemara is only talking about a tour of ones for a Mitzvah Asay. Mitzvah Salosa say you have to become a complete, total, impoverished person, even though now the only way you're going to live is by people taking care of you. And, and you are now going to become, uh, because you, how could this happen? S- somehow you were in a situation where you were forced to give up all your money and everything you had not to do an Avera. Maybe it was keeping Shabbos. Maybe it was some crazy uh, a warlord who, who came and gave you this choice. And because of that, you are now penniless because you didn't want to be over shotnets. You didn't want to be over one Avera. The, uh, the Chopetz Chaim writes in, 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 in his Sefer, a person is, is approached by his bosses at work. He knows the goods about some other guy. There's some other guy who has done something wrong. What has that guy done? He has um, done something against the company. Not on purpose. By accident, he broke something. It's not really his fault. They come to you and they tell you. Tell us who did it. If not, you're going to lose your job. That you're doing an Aveir Rachilas. You're being Rochel on your friend to say that he was the clumsy guy that broke this. Even though being clumsy is not an Aveira. But you know that they consider it very bad. It's not he's not an inherent danger to the company. They you can tell from their body language they're gonna fire you. You have to let yourself be fired. You have to let yourself lose your job, not to be over. We'll say with Rochim. 
Because that's a lotase. And no matter what that lotase is, you have to be able to, you, you have to be, you have to lose all your money not to be over lotase. Mitzvotase is different. So now, the question that Rabbi Yaakov Yisrael Kanievsky asks is, wait, the Rashba has told us, like Rabbeinu Yonah, that every assay has a lotase in it. So, Lachora, every assay you're being over a lotase, right? So now, the fact is, is how can I say that, that I'm potter, that, that I, I don't have to give up all my money for this assay? Wait. By not doing this assay, I've also been over low tigra. And that's a lot assay. And a lot assay, you have to give up everything. That is the Stiper's question. He says in the Rashpa, Lushitoso, the Rashpa seems to agree. It doesn't seem to make sense. That is the, the, the question that is uh, posed based on this opinion. So, um, yeah, I, I think that there is a, uh, you know, there, there are ways to, uh, to answer this question, um, but I think it really it, it, you know brings out uh, what the idea of because uh, uh, again it would seem assay and los assay based on this Gemara are very different. Let's well, let's think about it in a different way. A man is going to lose all his money. Okay, and he says like this: Tell me the rachilus about the guy. You now are going to be poverty. You are gonna, you're not going to get a paycheck. You are now basically, all your debts, are gonna, everything's going to crumble. You're going to be out on the street. We don't know how you're going to make ends meet. You have to be that way. Let's say it's a question of buying a lulav, buying a pair of tefillin. There we say, you're an ones. You're potter. As the Rashba says, b'sheb al but they're both cases of ones. In both cases, you didn't want to say the rechivas about your friend. You had to, because it's not that you hated the guy. It's not that you want to cause discord, like Doeg, who said rechivas on David Amelech. You did it because if you don't do this, right, what was behind it was an ones. Was the was and actually that's what happened to you? Is that now you're penniless and you have no money and you can't pay anything? It would seem that when it comes to an ones, an ones can potter you from not doing an action, and God can say, "I don't blame you for not doing that action. You were an ones, and therefore you didn't do it." But when you actually do the action. Since it, it wasn't saving your life, mamish, because of course you could eat chazer to save your life, that's all you have. But the ones of losing all your money and being now an impoverished person that can only survive based on, on, on the community helping you and taking care of you, that's not enough of an ones when it comes to an action. When your body does an action, your body did it. We can't say, well, you were an ones, and that action really didn't happen. You hear what I'm saying? It's definitely an ones. Ones mamon is definitely an ones. You don't mean to do it, but you can't wipe away the fact that you just said rechilos. You can't wipe away the fact that the guy who came to you and gave you the choice of eating chazer or paying him or emptying your bank account, and you said no. You have to tell them, no, I'm not emptying my bank. You can't. This, I'm going to empty my bank account because if you eat the chazer, even though the alternative would have been you would have been you wouldn't have had any money. That act is not an act enough, even though you did it under duress. But the act was done. When an act of an avera is done, it can't be considered negated by ones. Whereas when you don't do something despite how incredible it is to do something, somehow the onus of, of the fact that you can't live like an impoverished person, you don't have to give all your own for a mitzvah, right? In general, from this Gemara and Baba Kama, the Rosh says clearly, You don't have to give up a lot of money even, not just a third of your, of your wealth. 
whatever is considered a huge amount of money you do not have to do for mitzvahs. If this is the only way the mitzvah comes, you're not mechuyiv. God does not demand that from us when it comes to mitzvahs. Again, what's Rabbi Yonah going to do with this Gemara, especially as he sees every mitzvah is really uh, about Tigra. Now again, it, this is the, the, the Stiper's question. I think this is where uh, we're going to leave it from now. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 